And I always wanted to be an RN. Uh, don't ever let your kid graduate at 16. You don't know what you're doing at 18, much less 16. So, uh, anyway, I did get to do that and fulfill it. And God, I feel like, called me to be a hospice nurse. I don't feel like it's just something I fell into. I feel like even all the years I spent as a cafeteria manager, somehow that was preparing me for the role that I was going to take on as, as being a hospice nurse. So, uh, first of all, I have to tell you I love the Lord. He's my Savior. I'm nothing. Thank you, Jesus, for his blood that covers us. And as we talk a little bit about death and dying, I think that's the most important thing is your relationship with Christ and being sure of that relationship. Uh, as a hospice nurse, I don't think I could have been with the people I've been with. Some I've held their hands, some I've held them in bed, some I've sat by their bedside. And I have to say it has been a privilege to be able to take that role. So um, first, before I do anything, I want to tell y'all a little bit about hospice. Uh, how many of you know, know a little bit about hospice? How many of you have experienced it? How many of you just experienced it maybe the last two weeks of the person's, uh, the, how many had them for an extended time? Okay. As you can see, there were probably more people that only had it for a few weeks. The reason hospice doesn't always work the way it should is because people wait way too late to get it. You know, when someone's uh, on those final days, it's, it's too late to make that relationship. It's too late to make it with the patient. It's too late to make it with the family. And I'm not saying don't do it. If that has to be that late, do it. What I want to do is encourage you to know there's a program out there. It's your program. It's for you. It's for me. And I don't know about you all, but uh, I've learned what the golden years are. So uh, I said, it's when you really know. And I, I, as I look at you all, I know you're my age, so uh, you probably, I hope you feel the same way I do. You, I, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up and see, but you know, all my life, and I know all your life, you've known that you know this, this stuff we have and we accumulate, our homes, our cars, our TVs, our furniture, we work so hard for our kids' clothes and the right schools. And even as we're working so hard to do that, we know that it's not important compared to our children or lives. But there is a day that came for me when I really realized that it's nothing. When I really realized I've got a whole lot more years behind me than I do in front of me. And so I think then I really realized the only thing that's important in life is our relationships. Our relationships with our family and our relationship with the Lord. And so how many of you feel like that's where you're at now? Yeah. You really know. You really know that stuff doesn't matter. So to me, that's the golden years. It's not, you know, I think we grow up thinking the golden years is about uh, somehow feeling good and just doing all this stuff. Well, you know, the older we get, the more pains we have. So anyway, getting back to, <laughs> getting back to uh, hospice. 
Hospice is a program, uh, a doctor, if a doctor believes that you could have six months or less to live, then it's a Medicare program, it's private insurance program, and you can have it. And what it's meant to do is six months out, a year out, well, I had one patient we had four years. As long as your patient is not getting better, and we've had many get better, and many of them that we've discharged, which is wonderful. So we don't know. We don't know when death's going to come. So you may have them a year. You may have them six months. But that's your program. It can provide so much to the family, so much support. People to help come in and help bathe your, the patient. People that can come in and stay with the patient. Uh, if you know, every caregiver. How many are you being caregivers for someone that's been chronically ill? Probably the hardest job there is is taking care of the person you love because it's day in day out. It's it's hard. It's hard on you. It's hard. So every caretaker needs to realize they need to take care of their self and if they don't take care of their self then it's really hard to take care of the person you love so you know i just tell everybody that helps out there take it and use it if you can so i won't just keep on and on about that unless any of you have any questions do you, would any of you want to ask any questions about hospice nobody i like for y'all to talk too <laughs> okay uh, I get the impression that the majority of doctors hesitate in recommending hospice mm -hmm. because they think that the family thinks or the patient thinks you're going to die. It means and right it, now. And they just miss the boat <coughs> on hospice. It is true. It's true. Doctors, uh, you know, doctors uh, like nurses are trained to help someone get better and so it's hard to it's hard to tell someone you've had this relationship with that you know I really don't I don't know where this is going but I think anytime that you can look at your loved one and say if they weren't here in six months would I be surprised or would I not be surprised if you would not be surprised that they had passed away within six months then you're probably, that's probably a pretty good way to judge. And then you can ask your doctor, I, I want hospice to come in. So again, it's, it's a Medicare program, it's our program. And you know, a lot of the things that are so costly, uh, bed pads and uh, all those type of things, lotions to care for the skin, hospice provides those too. So. You know, I know a lot of people don't like to hear about it, but uh, it is a wonderful program, and sure. Is this, this is a nationwide program, and the states it, have nothing to do with it, right? It's nationwide. And, well, of course, you know, if somebody just had Medicaid, you know, or TennCare, then they, they would have that provision under that. But pretty much it's, it's a Medicare program a Medicare or a private insurance program. If you're of age. Huh? You have to be... Medicare if you're, yeah, if you have Medicare, if you don't, then private insurance, you know, if you're younger. So, um, anything else? Some cities have physical buildings. 
They do. Um, when we were hoping that we got to have a physical building and build a hospice house here in Johnson City, that's when the children's hospital started off. And you know, it's really hard to do two big projects. So hospice house got sort of put back. That's why we don't have one. There are floors at the hospital though that have hospice beds in them. And if a person needs to go there, they can. Did that, okay. Is it still on the burner or? Is it what? Still on the burner, are we still thinking about doing that? At the hospice the house? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm, this is my big 7-0 year, so <laughs> uh, I don't know what they, I've been out of it for a few years. I had an accident that uh, sort of changed the whole outlook of my life, so I, I don't work now. Uh, so I don't know, but I would love for it to, it would be a wonderful thing. It really would. Bristol has one, so. Okay, anything else? How do you apply for it? Do you apply it through the medical? I, just tell your doctor you want hospice to come in, and if he's, get, you know, if your doctor's a little bit uh, skeptical, say, you know, I know that it's that they if they have six months or or less is the guidelines, but we don't know and, and you can ask him that question. Would you be surprised if they weren't here in six months? And really it's up to the hospice to make sure the po the patient is appropriate. And they do have a medical director that most doctors want to sign off to the medical director for hospice then you know, care for their staff. So the doctors are not, it's not like, you know, they're held responsible so much. But it's just a way, it's just hard to get people to really want to get it early enough to make the difference. Did I say something? I know that it, it can be too little too late because I waited till the last minute and I was going to call hospice the next day and my husband died that and see and you just don't know you need some professional advice on that and there wasn't any there for me to and I think, think like you said so many people don't know they so that's why the word hospice scares so many people because they do think it means oh right now you know and so if you can realize you know hospice it goes back to goes back to biblical days uh, it's a place of rest for the weary traveler in the Bible so if you can think of it like that it's a place for rest it's a place that you can go and have someone help you so that you don't have to carry it all along now I think I saw a few more hands is, is family counseling a part of the program do you start out with a counseling part to get the family prepared for what's, what's going on uh, yeah you what you do we start out just say that you're, I, you had a wife or you may have a wife, I don't know, but it was your wife. And uh, the doctor said, let's call hospice in. What we would do is we would come and talk to you and to the patient. And we explain to them what the program is. And you know, the thing is, if you don't like it, you don't have to keep it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you could just let them come and talk about it and tell you about it so that you would understand then. And like I said, there's been many patients we've had to discharge, which I can say praise God for that. You know, that's that's not a bad thing for hospice, and it's certainly not a bad thing for the patient. And so, uh, just just I want you to remember that because so many people just do not understand what hospice is really about. It seemed like 
my brother-in-law that there was some problem because once he went with hospice, they took over all the medication and the doctor that he'd been seeing for years was not able to... Uh, he turned him over to the medical director. Is that right? Uh -huh. the if the doctors don't want to follow the patient while they're in hospice, whoever the medical director of that hospice is would take over the care. And I'm glad you said that. All the medications that pertain to the patient's uh, disease process are covered by hospice too. So that can be substantial, just that alone. What's the training for this one in hospice? Are they always nurses? Well, the nurses and CNAs, and you have social work, social work. There's a chaplain too. We have a chaplain, uh, volunteers. So all of that's involved, and you get visits from all of it. You know, social work comes in to see is there anything you need that they can get for you. Can hospice care be provided at one's home, or does it have to be? Oh. At one's home is preferable, yes. You know, most people, uh, yeah, I know if you're like me, y'all don't want to go to the hospital ever. And even when I've needed to, I have fought and kicked and no, I'm not going, as they carried me off in the rescue squad. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to go to the hospital. So we all want to be at home pretty much, and especially if we're not feeling well, we want to be at home. And so, well, what does that consist of then? Of periodic visits by a nurse or a right, it start, or? The nurses start out visiting the patient. Usually if you get them in time, it's two times a week. You know, that's enough for, you, for the nurse to come by. The people that help bathe may come three times a week. It's whatever the patient needs and the family needs. But of course, as the person gets uh, sicker and sicker, then the visits increase. And you know, on the end, lots of times, nurses have to go every day, every night. But that's the other thing is, if it's three o'clock in the morning and you need something, you have someone to call. And if you need for them to come out, you have someone to come out. So, you know, that too is such a, a wonderful resource to have. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my impression that uh, understanding that in order to come under hospice care, you number one, have to agree that you are terminal, <coughs> and number two, you have to agree not to continue corrective care. Correct, the doctor, the doctor has to believe, and you, have, of course, whether you believe it or not, the doctor has to believe that you have six months or less to live. There's nothing, you know, how many times have we seen people, and I, I don't know about you all, where I have seen people just keep on, keep on, keep on, when it's way past time to stop. Mm -hmm. And the family and the patient and nobody has times to really come at terms with it. So yes, you have to, you have to agree. To, that you're not seeking any kind of aggressive treatment. But let's say you sign up for hospice, you're in it, and then some treatment comes along that looks like it might really help you. All you do is you sign out of hospice, you can go do the treatment. If you need hospice, you can come back. It's not something that's a binding, it's a help, it's a program to help you. So you're never tied into it and can't get out of it. 
you know, sometimes the hospice program, the people you have, maybe there's just a personality conflict or somehow it starts out wrong, you don't like that hospice, you want another hospice. All you have to do is again say, I want to sign out of hospice, tell, call your doctor and say, I want to try this hospice for some reason. You know, that happens. So, you know, this is a program for help. It's not a program about tying you down in something you can't get out. But when you think about having nurses visit your home, having CNAs come and help you bathe and clean up, having a, a pastor that's going to come by, you know, whenever you want them, uh, social work to see if there anything that, that you need as far as, it can be anything that social work can help you with. You have that, all your medications paid for that, that have to do with your disease process. Um, someone to call all the time. Would you say the number one goal of hospice would be to make that patient uh, comfortable spiritually, uh, physically? That's right. Exactly. You said it exactly. It's to help the patient and the family, though the family is a much a part of the program as the patient is, to make them comfortable as you can make them to uh, provide support. And you know, what I have found out over the years in being with patients is that a lot of times the patient doesn't want to talk to the family because they don't want to upset them. And so a nurse, you know, when you're checking somebody and you have your hands on them, that's an intimate that's an intimate situation. You know, you can get close to someone and, and they can talk to you. And so that's good. A lot of times the caretaker doesn't want to say anything to the patient. You know, it's like if we don't say the word, if we don't say death and dying, then we don't have to really recognize it. So then that person has someone to talk to. So, and then hopefully we can all get it to where everybody's talking together and everybody's coming to terms with it. I've heard too that if you have hospital, you can't re-enter the hospital. Is that right? No. no. Now, what they're talking about, I'm sure, is if you have hospice, and so you, there's a problem. You have to give hospice the opportunity to take care of that at home. If you're afraid to be at home and you want to go to the hospital every time and not have hospice try to help you and control that problem at home, then probably hospice isn't the right program for you. But as far as re-entering it, if it has nothing to do with your disease process, you can go right on. You want the fam you want the hospice though, to have the opportunity to uh, to help you get better at home, and the, you know that's the thing. If we can't do that at home, and you need to go to the hospital, then hospice is going to put you in there, and they're going to be responsible for that bill and taking care of all that. So, you know that's a lot, and people don't know that. Well, uh, a lot of times when it gets really down to the wire, people, you know, some people just don't want their loved ones to die at home. If that happens, like I said, we have rooms 
at the hospital, I mean, Mountain States does, uh, Wellmont has a hospice house. And, and you can, you know, if the family just did something they don't want, then they can go in the hospital. And the hospice will do that. But it's our goal because most people, how many of you think you'd rather be at home? So, you know, and that's the whole purpose of hospice right there. I don't have to drink water. My mouth's getting dry, but uh, uh, that's the whole purpose right there to get you to where you would be comfortable, to where that would be something that, uh, you know, that made you feel that when it was all said and done that you were so glad you had that experience. Um, anything else about hospice? Does hospice only go up to the point of the moment of death, or do they help the family um, afterwards? Afterwards, they sure do. The fam, uh, it's part of the program that the families visited afterwards, and um, but like the body, I mean, does hospice yeah. help? Hospice, uh, a hospice RN can declare death in the state of Tennessee. Uh, yes, we always wait till they come and take the body, help the patients, uh, destroy the medications. There's something um, that really helps is when at the end someone, you know, you come in and your loved one has passed away and, and they came and they're gone and here you have all these medications and these diapers and these pads and all this stuff. Getting rid of all that, it, it helps with closure. And so they're there through that. But even, you know, months <coughs> down the road, you still have someone contacting you if that's what you want. And a lot of times you can't get a hold of people, and you know that. But yes, that's part of the program. I know one thing <coughs> if you're not on hospice, <coughs> and like my husband died in the middle of the night. Uh huh. The police, yeah. uh, uh, Washington County Sheriff had to come in and declare him dead and see if there was any, you know. Because he wasn't in, he was, wasn't in hospice? No, he was not. I was getting ready to uh, have call hospice on Monday, but he died on a Sunday night. Okay. And that morning, I mean, it was so confusing because they said, do you have any medicine and all this? Well, I didn't have all this medicine rounded up, and I still was finding medicine later, but uh, they didn't give me long enough to get my wits together to get, get, get all this stuff together. I mean, it's kind of... And this is the other thing. If you want to keep the medications, there's nobody can, those are your medications or your family's medications, so you don't have to, you know, we all know that there is a problem. Uh, we hear in the paper that there is a problem with nurses. You know, that may be true, but you know, you know what you want to do with your medication. You know what your ideal is. So if you don't want to give that medication up, it is your right to keep it. So don't let anybody make you think you have to. I just wanted to say a hospice for Mountain States was such a blessing. The thing that I was most concerned about was the fact I knew my mother wanted to be at home, but I thought, what do I do if she dies at home? Who do I call first? And it was most reassuring that at the time that she died, I, we knew it was close, so I called hospice. 
they came over. Um, they sent a chaplain over, but they took care. They took care of so many things of notifying the funeral home so that the funeral home comes over to you, and that is such a comfort and relief to know that they are there. And then the other thing that was um, so wonderful too is how quickly they brought in a bed to make my mom more comfortable. And it was at that point we could not get her out of the bed ourselves. And to have that uh, for her, to have that is comfort. And then when she died, then how quickly somebody came to the house and I, I was amazed how quickly he took the bed apart and took the, the bed home with them. And I just, those are things I, I did not know. It was probably the biggest concern to me, and I think a lot of people don't know, you know, what happens if somebody dies at home. What do you have to do? And I thought, well, I don't want to have to call the police. I don't want to have to go to the hospital with her. And you didn't have to do any of that. It was just directly there in the funeral home and takes them. And that, that's the way it's supposed to work. And I bet you didn't wait till the last minute with your mom, did you? It was... Um, well, the, the, the last minute came rapidly, so we called hospice, you know, I think appropriately. It just it just happened that it was probably a little less, or about a week. Right, they just were involved. Yeah, escalated so quickly. But, but they came in, too, and you have, you have a list in your mind that you don't know the answers to. And so the lady that came in spoke to us, and it was like that list got marked off. And, okay, I don't have to worry about that. And, it's, and so it's, it's very reassuring. I mean, you're dealing with, um, with a loved one, um, and you want to do the best for them. Uh, and I think I'm absolutely assured that we did. And the hospice was a big reason for that. Uh, you know, mom, mom, when she was lucid, uh, appreciated all, all the, I'll say attention, she appreciated the care, not, not just the attention, uh, but uh, it was very reassuring and, and uh, I, I can, can speak volumes of it. We also had an in-house physical therapist and that was wonderful too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and that, that's, that's a kind of outcome that we want to have and that's the way it should be. And there again, something else I didn't even mention, equipment, beds, uh, wheelchairs. Um, other thing we do, volunteers, if we've had plenty of patients that we've got soon enough, they needed ramp built to get in and out of their house while they could still go in a wheelchair. We did that. So it just goes on and on, this resource that's there to help you, but people don't know about it, don't get it in time, and then... Uh, I feel like myself, if we come in the last minute, that sometimes it can cause more trouble than, you know, because everybody's nervous, the family side, you know, they're tense, and, and it's hard for them to, if you don't know me and I come into your house and start telling you this, this, and this, and maybe you've been doing this, this, and this, you know, I'm, you might think, well, who is she doing that? If that, you know, if it's just a day or two. But if you've known me for six months, and you know, I can tell you one of the 
one of the things that's dear to my heart is the times that, and they've been many, that I've gone to a home where I could walk in the door and feel the tension. But once I come through the door and start talking, I can feel that go away. You can just feel it. And so, you know, that just, that blesses me so much to think that, that I ha could help somebody like that. So, anything else? I have a really weird question, but because the world is the way it is today and you don't want to, you want to be politically correct and all of that, if, if I, um, if our family wanted to pray and that hospice nurse was there, it, she's not going <coughs> to get back. Well, I can tell you, as far as the hospice that we had, everyone there was a Christian. Everyone there prayed with their patients. Now, I can't come up to you if, as a patient and start trying to, you know, uh, apostolize you about what I think, but I hope we have that conversation. Uh, and I can tell you every patient I ever took care of, I had that conversation with them, and we prayed many times. My neighbor just passed away. She's had hospice, and I was over there one day, and the hospice nurse came <coughs> Stand up. Will, will, you, will you sing All is Right With My Soul? And she sang it and she recorded it and took a picture from the daughter and it was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I'm going to try to sing a song for you that uh, that I sang to all my patients. And to me, this it's, uh, it's what it's all about. And uh, I don't sing like I used to. But I, this is sort of my my song and and uh, my theme and and I and I hope it's everybody's. But it, <clears throat> let me get a good drink of water here. But it says, <clears throat> I dreamed of a city called Glory, so bright and so fair as I entered the gates I cried holy my loved ones they all met me there they carried me from mansion to mansion and all oh, the sights I saw but I said, I want to see Jesus. He's the one who died for all. And I bowed on my knees and cried, Holy, 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 holy. And I clapped my hands and sang, Glory, glory to the Son of God. Glory to the Son of God. And it has other verses, but that's what it's <laughs> It's not my voice, but the words to think that and I believe, and this is something else I wanted to, to touch on. 
I believe that just like he says, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, if he's your Savior and you've put your faith there, I, I believe it's just like me walking through that door. And uh, to think, you know, he says we can't think, we can't imagine what he's got in store, that our minds can't even can't, can't even adopt what he has for us. But to think that, um, you know, I didn't know that my body was going to feel this way at 70. I was just, you know, I was not prepared. <laughs> and I'm still not prepared because every year there's a little something else happens. But, you know, to think that, I, that we're going to wake up in heaven one day and our bodies are going to be new and, and whole and good and you know I can't, I can't even imagine how that happens I don't know but I know I believe it and I you know as for me as a hospice nurse for me as a Christian I think on this whole series of death and dying I went back and listened to your lessons I read the book and uh, the one thing about the book he was talking about Romans 8 you know it says nothing can separate us from the love of God and there's just a time in your life when, you know, there's nothing that we don't know. We don't know for sure unless you've experienced God in your life and, and you know things have worked out. You know, but you don't really know that chair out there is going to hold you up till you sit down in it. So we just have to believe. But, to you know, I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. And I'm not afraid. I'm like everybody else. I don't want to leave my little grandbabies that I love so much that I never knew I could love them better than I did my youngins. But, you know, they're just, <laughs> they're just, they think that Nana is just it. And when you get this age and somebody thinks you're just it, and you like it. <laughs> so, I, I don't want to leave them, but, you know, I, I, I'm ready to go. So, uh, I'll. I was going to tell you, go ahead, I, Hazel. I was going to ask if you could share a couple stories. Of well, you know, sometimes I think I could write a book, but nobody would believe it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, have I ever had someone that wasn't saved and what was their death experience like? Yes, I have. And I can tell you there is a difference. Um, I can think of two instances where a gentleman and uh, having no peace and just it was a, such a turmoil for them for their family for us as nurses um, it, it was just hard I can't t I just can't explain to you what it was like but as they died they did not die in peace and, and comfortable we couldn't get them comfortable we couldn't there wasn't enough you could give them. There wasn't enough you could do. You couldn't hold their hand. You couldn't calm them down. They were just, it was just a, it was just very, uh, it, it was really hard. And the one gentleman that I'm thinking of, uh, you know, he professed that he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He didn't believe in anything. And I can still close my eyes and remember his death. Uh, I've had so many people though that you know they everybody when they're that I've been with that, and hundreds of people as they're dying it sort of is the same process 
And as a person gets closer to death, they get more withdrawn where they don't want to talk to you. And, you know, then they get to almost like they're in a coma. You know, and it goes pretty much like that. But the one thing that I've noticed, I, I, it just amazes me that patients always say something about traveling. It might be a horse, it might be a plane, it might be a train, it might be a car. And they always are talking to people they love. You know, there's mama or somebody, you know, and it just happens too much that I cannot believe that it's not true, that they are seeing people there at the end of their bed that are coming to help them cross over. Whatever it's about, I don't know. But I can tell you it happens. What is this about the travel? I don't know. It's just the weirdest thing to anybody. If I talk too long, just about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll invite you back again and you can tell. Okay. I know it's very interesting. I'll, I'll come many times. Thank, Thank you for having Thank me. You. She did a good job and she can sing too. <laughs> I love that song. I just about could uh, harmonize with you on that a little bit. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, We'll go through some announcements real quick. Um, I'll tell you this, um, there at the end, there's two points I want to point out about hospice. I watched my grandmother, um, who was, you'll, you'll learn where I get a lot of my ways, um, my drive and uh, my determination in life. Um, they called hospice in, we took her actually to hospice, and they called the family in, we just gathered around the bed, um, it was over. We was in the last moments. She raised up and said, I'm going home. Well, we thought she was talking about heaven. She came home. She literally sat up in the bed. So you don't know. You don't know. That happened twice. Um, and she had recovered from uh, two major strokes, paralyzed her body. She got full body back. Her faith was tremendous. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Um, the second one took her eyesight, but it didn't slow her down anymore in her normal routine, and she lived in her home till her last day. So um, hospice is an incredible organization. Um, it was a different group, different area, but um, um, awareness is key to so many things in life, um, as, as we know at any age. But anyway, I just thought I'd throw that tidbit in there. And the second point, um, my aunt was one of the better RNs in this area. And uh, we was in a group meeting, kind of a large group meeting one time, and she told me that, uh, told a whole group of people, that how could you tell? Somebody was asking about her faith, and she's very blunt, just an old country gal that uh, is extremely intelligent. She went through the four-year RN uh, program at ETSU in two years. Um, smart gal. Her son did it two and a half. And, um, um, but anyway, she said the look on their face when they pass, you could tell. And she said that made my faith more solid than anything that I've ever witnessed in my life. She said when I became a full-fledged RN and I actually witnessed that passing, she said it's very real. And um, I thought I'd share that with you. I don't know. I hope that uh, um, adds to your presentation there. You did an excellent job. But anyway, we'll get on to some um, announcements. 
someone, Dee, she's already left. Dee had asked me or thanked me for doing the birthdays, and I always wondered why not. Well, your all's parents were very busy um, with you guys uh, to have a lot of February babies and, and uh, March babies, and it just the list just keeps growing and growing. And we slow down in the summer, and it's funny how that, my nanny had a saying about that too, and you all probably put the math together. Um, but uh, it's too much. Um, so I hope I don't offend anybody. Um, but uh, we'll say happy birthday. I'm, I'm playing around with some ideas. We may post some, some uh, uh, birthdays or may do it by email. Um, that's the, the secret to everything this day is on mass communication. So we may do that. But, uh, so I'll say happy birthday to everybody in here when your birthday comes around today. And uh, that way I've got it covered. But uh, we'll do something to, to make your day special. <laughs> But um, we have got boys brought to my attention uh, in the um, bulletin. They put the shepherd's breakfast for March the 4th. They've got the Virgil Anderson class and the youth. So Tom or Molly, if you all could, um, Tom's shaking his head. So you get a lot of attention when you do that, Tom. I, I would imagine we would be needed for assistance, but I don't know what role we would be in. Uh, more than likely, we would do what we normally do, and the youth would help us, I would think. But I'm just, that's my opinion. Um, we'll confirm that and put it out. I'll have Molly do it on an email or something. I'll get with her and we'll find that out. But any help's appreciated on that. We've. Uh, I'm sorry, Carolyn. Yeah, we'll probably cook and the youth. Yeah, I think so. She said um, probably cook and then the youth serve, which would be a, a great combination. Um, we've got the family promise dinners coming up, and um, Ruby Beck um, had emailed me earlier in the week. We've got um, the March the 12th, and we've got several coming up. I'm not going to announce all of them, but we need to figure out our role in that. That's three weeks away, uh, and who is doing what in that. So we need to... Um, do that for sure. Thank you, Judy. Yes. Um, Y'all are so easy. I love it. Um, our co-chairs uh, are officially formed. If you didn't get the emails, um, I put a list um, for our care committee. Um, I brought five printout copies. You guys can pass them out if you if you don't do email. If we've got a few, but if you need it, uh, see Molly or me or. We'll get that to you. But officially, Art and Fran Powers are our, our co-chairs. Um, Ann O'Quinn is uh, the leader of the first uh, team. Becky Haynes is the second team uh, lead. And Mary Morgan is the third. Our men's care uh, leads are Dave Pendleton and Tom DeHart. Y'all pray for Dave. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, he'll do a fine job. And uh, our card committee is Liz Hughes and Janet Brummett. And of course, Liz is taking the, the notes and the minutes of the class. So, um, do we have any uh, concerns that need to come before class? Brian, I have something to share. Yes, ma'am. Um, some of you. Stand up. Okay. Some of you may have noticed and plenty have inquired about Roger and his gait. Uh, it seems to be a little off with his ambulation here. But I did want to share with you because of all the questions. We have been going back and forth to physicians 
for really about four months now, trying to figure out exactly what is going on. And today I still don't have an answer for you, and we had hoped we would get one this week. But they think they have narrowed it down, and they're hoping that this is what it is, to normal pressure hydrocephalitis, which will indeed affect the gait and various other things. There's also the frontal lobe syndrome issue that goes along with that. But um, what has really hampered our progress in this is the fact that he has low platelets. And they're not just low platelets, they're extremely low platelets. So they can't go forward with any diagnostic testing on him because of that issue. We've uh, been battling that. We've done a few things, but it really did not work. So we had said, okay, we'll go wherever we need to. You just send us there. And um, at this point, I think they will probably just put him in the hospital here and just give him straight platelets for a few days and then go right into some testing. So we're hoping and praying that that's the process we get to take because it'll go quickly and we're still local and we can resolve this and hopefully get some um, answers that we've been craving. It's been really, really difficult. So Roger and I both need and covet your prayers right now. It's uh, been very stressful for us. And uh, he's been a real trooper. I know a lot of people have been asking and, you know, just making little statements but not really sharing. And we didn't want to share a lot because we really don't know what we're dealing with at this point. So I could, we covet your prayers. You certainly have that. And if you all need anything at all, just don't, be, don't hesitate to reach out. She hadn't called hospice yet. You've got to get that back, <laughs> and you will. Oh, I would. Yes, Nancy. Thank you, Al. Thank you. I had that had done. Yes. Peggy Borden is retiring. Uh, they're having a gathering in the fellowship hall. We had it earlier um, between Sunday school before and after. So make sure you go by and, and uh, give her a smile. Yes. Yes, Vicki. Uh, 
in the Thanks. sanctuary and then again at 11 o'clock. Uh, but you have done a wonderful job of having the service and um, Luke Wexler uh, was one who gave part of the sermon and then Madison Kosh, one of the other uh, young ladies, did a wonderful job in their sermons and the youth all just did a tremendous job. So uh, they'll be doing it again at the 11 o'clock service as well. We have a lot of talent. All right, guys, we're getting very close on time. We're good? Y'all have a good week. Thank you.